Hey there, it's Davey, and I just wanted to stop by and share something that we have going on right now this summer called the Give Hope Campaign. I'm guessing that one of the things you found helpful as you listen to story after story here on the podcast is that sense of me too, you know, the feeling that someone else out there has experienced the feelings you're experiencing in, in their pain to purpose journey. I'm also guessing that you've been in a place where you've felt like no one can understand what you've been through or, or the emotions that you're feeling, and, and that's probably created a sense of isolation for you in your valley. We know here at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, there is power in hearing each other's stories of trauma, tragedy, or major life transitions, and seeing where others have partnered with God to take back their stories of pain from the enemy. We know that with that power comes hope to know that you too can get through whatever you're facing with the help of the Lord with others, and with resources like the ones we offer here at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. I want you to take a listen to my friend Carissa Sprinkle as she shares what Nothing Is Wasted has meant to her in her healing journey. Sitting in my backyard, listening to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, because at the time I felt like we were the only ones that had experienced anything like this. I just, I didn't know anyone who was going through what we were going through, and I felt so alone. I felt... Um, just like we were the only ones. And so when I listen to episode after episode of people who had gone through these unthinkable tragedies and had gone through so much pain, it's like I finally felt seen. I felt normal listening to them. I resonated with them. Even though our pain journeys were different, our pain points were different, I just felt less alone, listening to them and hearing their stories of hope, what the Lord had done in their lives. Um, it just gave me hope. It gave me energy. It gave me a renewed sense of purpose to continue on our journey. And eventually I um, went through the Paint to Purpose course, and then I started walking other people through it and have been able to just help be a part of that ministry and walk other people through their pain. Listen, stories are powerful. Stories matter. And we need your help to share more of them like Carissa's and others you're hearing through the podcast. If you've been impacted by the stories you've heard here or any of the other resources we offer, we'd like to invite you to partner with us to bring hope to the many and healing to the one through this Give Hope campaign. We're looking for 200 individuals who would begin to give at a $20 a month or more level. These are tax deductible donations. But by giving at $20 a month or more or $200 a year, you also receive access to our entire library of community plus content. And, and, and what you're doing in this is you're helping us to expand the reach of Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. You're gonna help us to hire staff. You're gonna help us to be able to bolster up our technology infrastructure. You're gonna help us to translate the Pain to Purpose course into more languages so we can have a, a broader global reach. There's so many things that we're able to do in this Give Hope campaign if you would join us and partner with us to give $20 a month or more. Now listen, you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash give hope. You can find out so much more about this campaign. We actually have a PDF download to give you a five-year strategy of how we are going to be implementing all of these things if we have your partnership. And so nothingiswasted.com slash give hope. Go there today, donate today, and together we can be a part of the transformative healing journey of others that are a part of Nothing Is Wasted community. Thanks for listening and being a part of this community. 
And let's work together to turn your pain around into purpose as we reach more and more people for the hope of Jesus in the midst of their pain. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davy Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davy. I'm one of your hosts, and joining me again. As a guest co-host, Ken Roberts. Ken, great to have you. I'm back and I'm loving it. Well, you know, we've talked quite a bit about broadening the voices that are um, speaking, quote unquote, on behalf of Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. We don't know what that looks like quite yet. We've got a lot of dreams in mind, potentially other podcasts, potentially a speaking team. We're not really sure yet, but if you know anything about us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, we have a... We dream a lot. We we just believe in a God who can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And we believe that God puts little deposits in our heart uh, and visions for the future. You know, without vision, scripture says people cast off restraint. And so one of the things that keeps us grounded and guardrails around our lives is that we have vision. And we feel like that a lot of the vision that has been given to us is, is God's vision for this ministry. And so you know, sometimes it can be just bad pizza you had the night before, right? And so you just got to test that. But so as we as we are deliberating together, we're going, hey, there's there's other voices that need to be a part of Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. That's why you're hearing from a lot of other voices. We're just kind of testing the waters in that. And we've never wanted this ministry to be about just the Blackburns. Yeah, I've appreciated that. And uh, people are hearing that and seeing that now. You know, again, I I've been connected with you since 2017, been on the team since 2019. And that's continued to be you and you and Christy's heart, obviously, that, you know, the Lord allowed you to launch it and you launched, you know, after Amanda's passing, but you've never wanted to just to be about you. So I I say that into the audience. So that's not flattery or for the wrong reason. I'm saying for the wrong reason, but it really is our vision. And we're seeing it, we're seeing it start to trickle in that direction, which is very exciting. We are. Yeah. You know, in fact, today, we're having a conversation with Christine Kane. Aubrey is the one that conducted that interview. She gets to conduct some of those interviews. Uh, I was a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. I was really excited about having a conversation with Christine too. But Aubrey has been uh, around and in, in, you know friends with Christine for quite some time. Aubrey was a part of the Propel cohort at Wheaton College, getting her master's there. I mean, if you guys remember, if you've been around the podcast for a while, you know we've talked about this. And Christine was a part of that cohort as well. And Aubrey's also a, a writer for Propel, which is one of the organizations that Christine leads. We're going to dive into the conversation. And after the conversation, Ken and I are going to talk some more about it. But in case you don't know who Christine Kane is, she's a speaker, author, activist who serves the local church globally. She and her husband, Nick, founded the anti-human trafficking organization, A21 Campaign. And this is an incredible organization. They've been doing this for years now, and they have rescued so many people out of human trafficking. It's unreal what God is doing through that ministry. And she also founded Equip and Empower, a ministry that's mobilizing people everywhere to live on mission for Jesus and propel women. She's a very busy person, and she is an unbelievable preacher. I mean, hands down. someone, Someone asked me the other day, like, who do you think the best 
do you think Christine is among the best women preachers? I'm like, well, no doubt, but she might be among the best preachers in general. It doesn't have to just be women preachers. I mean, she is an incredible, incredible communicator. And so you're going to be blessed by that. If you've never heard from Christine Kane, get ready. You're going to be drinking from a fire hydrant. And uh, if we can help you in any way in your journey as you're moving from pain to purpose, we want to help you partner with God to take back your story, no matter what you've gone through. Go to nothingiswasted.com. We have lots of resources there. Ken and I are going to be back on the back end of this conversation that Aubrey and Christine have. And we're going to talk some more about where we're heading as a ministry, what's going on, how God is leading us. And uh, it's going to be an incredible conversation. So go ahead and lean into Aubrey's conversation with Christine Kane. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. This is so fun. Okay, Aubrey, I am pumped. I am pumped to be with you. I love having you. I feel like I, I feel like I'm chatting with a friend. What people don't know is that you and I chatted for a few minutes beforehand, and I was finally like, okay, I have to like start recording this thing. We have to keep going. But I love that you're here. Thanks so much for being here with us today. No, it's my honor. I'm pumped. You're looking awesome. Hey, you're looking awesome too. I'm just confiding <laughs> on your cute glasses and your cute hair. That's so, it. Um, okay, I, I'm not going to make you introduce yourself because people know who. Christine Kane is. Davey and I will do a little intro later, but I do want to talk to you about your new book, which I'm so excited about. I just got an advanced copy of it. Don't look back. And I feel like this is uh this book is you to a T. Like that title, I was like, that is a Chris Kane title right there. And I I want to know, I mean, I want to know some general things, why you decided to write it right now. But I also want to know, Chris, was there, because you're such a forward-facing person, was there a season in your life where you felt tempted to look back or you were looking back and God kind of went, let's change them, some things here, girl? Yeah. And I don't know that it's a season or a constant temptation. Mm. In, and it depends in what area of life. And I think that's the human condition, isn't it? So you yeah. either look back um, with pain, sorrow, grief, lament, and you can get stuck there. Yep. Or you, you know, I was recently um, at a an event where there was uh, some friends from way back. And you all look, Aubrey, I'm seven, I'm fifty. I'm not seventy five. I'm fifty seven. <laughs> I'm fifty seven. <laughs> I hope that I'm alive long enough to become seventy five. But I am fifty seven. And a couple of these girls were talking like when they were in college volleyball, and I'm like, yo, that was like thirty five, wow. thirty six years ago. But I'm, I mean, I'm not just talking about like I remember when mm. it was like we're there mm. and we're still playing mm. and the, the trophies are up and the ribbons are up and I'm like, all right, maybe. So yeah. when I say human nature, yeah. um, you can talk, and even doing what I do, you know, with A21 and, um, you know, rescuing the victims of trafficking, it's great to sort of celebrate some good milestones. But imagine if all I was ever talking about was what we did in the first year or the second year. I mean, we're in year 15 right, and right. Um, I'm not looking forward. So the temptation to look back, I think is, you know, I talk to, I'm 57, so I, I obviously minister to a lot of people that are at retirement age as well. Mm. And it's kind of like, it's almost like to them, their life has stopped and wow. we're going to golf our way to heaven and just talk about <laughs> what God used to do. And I'm like, okay, press pause. So when I say every step, of course, then people like with my background of abuse or abandonment, yeah. adoption, yeah. you can spend your time looking back and getting stuck in a moment. So when you say, do I get tempted? I think it's the same as everybody. 
Um, yes, it can be. And, you know, depending on your personality trait, you're either going to go, do you get stuck looking back mm. at negative? Do you get stuck looking back at positive? Mm-hmm. Um, I think human nature, one way or another, we always love to talk about the good old days. I'm like, stick around long enough. And in your mind, these will become the good old days. And yet we're all talking about them as these like traumatic days. So true. <laughs> Human, <laughs> and the then word. someone will be like, "Remember in 2023, they were the good old days." <laughs> and I'm like, "Y'all, no. any of us that get to my age, you're like, uh, what do you mean the 2000s were the good old days? Like we were there, we were there." <laughs> oh man, that's good. That's good. I, yeah, Kevin and I joke about. There's this old movie called Napoleon Dynamite, and there's a character named Uncle Rico who's like stuck in high school, his high school like football years, and we're like, that's the Uncle Rico disease. Like you cannot live like that. It just does not. God has more for you. Um, but you think how many people are there? I mean, you're a pastor, so yeah. you go. It literally. Yeah. It, being, I think, stuck is the default mechanism mm, of all of us. Mm. And do you think that that's you said that's human nature. Do you think that's a result of sin? Do you think that's brokenness in the world? Like, any thoughts on like why our yeah, tendency is to do and that? And again, it depends. Of, yeah, in many cases, absolutely. Um, and I think the result of sin, in, if we're talking about internal things often, guilt, shame, condemnation, yeah, fear can yeah. keep you stuck, no doubt about it. Yeah. But also, which I think, again, I mean, I don't know that, you're the theologian of the two of us. You know, we both, we both did a Wheaton master's Chris together. Just in the said, same I'm the theologian of the two but of us. You're everybody. the theologian. <laughs> and um, I'm like the evangelist. You're like yeah, the teacher. Right, 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 so right, right. In all of that, uh, I think that this sense of I get stuck just because I'm content. Totally. Or apathy. Now, yeah. you know, I basically go at both of those when mm. we talk we'll, we'll talk about the book and yeah. remember Lot's wife and Sodom yes. and Gomorrah because comfortable ease, mm. um, comfort, indifference, mm. apathy is will get a lot of people stuck. So when you mm. say, are there a lot of people stuck in their Christian walk that are not stuck in a moment of the past or stuck in pain or, you know, or even a moment of glory, just stuck in apathy, complacency, wow. indifference. Yeah. And so are you asking me, is that sin? You're the theologian. You could probably <laughs> tell me, but I would think so based on Jesus talking to the churches in Revelation. About, Absolutely. You know, I think that lukewarm indifference yep. would yep. be that. And so w- there is not any of us that wouldn't be touched by this mm moment of stuck. I think a lot of us coming out of 2020 are still languishing. I think so too. Still languishing in this moment. Not stuck in either or. Just languishing with do I get back in towards what? That's it. It's a a strange phenomenon even as a church leader, Chris, because even like a small task of trying to give volunteers vision for like, let's say being on a welcome team, like something so low bar, people are like, I don't know, I really have. And so you're right. I think you've named it. There's a stuckness in general. Okay, so back to the book, you um, kind of center it around Jesus's words in Luke 17, where he says, remember Lot's wife, which is a wild thing to write a book about. I love that you went there. So uh, talk to us about that. 
Okay. Well, it was, you know, I mean, remember the context. He's talking about the end times. And, I mean, you're reading. There's a couple of things that were happening when I was reading this. Part of it is, you know, when the world is like we're in right now, where every day there's either an environmental crisis, an economic crisis, a political crisis, a social crisis, a moral crisis. I mean, you're waking up every day and you're you're like, is this it? Because it's like insane. Yeah, like what it is. is it going to be today? Then, of course, that gets people fired up and they go down their rabbit trails and they're on Facebook and there's every end time theory. You know, I'm, when you're as old as me, you've lived through a lot of this. I've watched it in the 80s, in the 90s. None of them are true. And I wanted to save people hours of having to waste their life on the internet, going down Facebook and, you know, the books that sell the most are the big conspiracy theories totally. about the end times. I mean, this is like, well, you can make up anything you want right now and yeah. people are going to believe it. Like, it's hilarious. Yeah, so, true. so I'm reading Luke 17. Jesus is talking about the end times and it's... Um, I'm trying not to laugh because I'm like, really? Like there's Noah, there's the flood, there's Sodom and there's Gomorrah. You know, if there's two in a bed, one's not going to be there. Don't come back to your house. And and I, I was laughing because I was thinking of like people that I know that are just down these rabbit trails on Facebook. I mean, they, they've come up with the best theories about everything. I'm like, that sounds awesomely <laughs> awesome, but it's like not true. Right. Not, none accurate. of the charts have ever worked. We're all still here in 2023. When I got saved in the late 80s, there were charts and the Antichrist and the so many Mark of the You're Beast. Right. It was awesome, but it was all lies because yeah. we're all still here 40 right. years later. So I'm like, let me save you mm. all of that. And then um, mm. I, as I'm looking at it, it's like this, it seems random, but there's, Jesus just throws in like, remember Lot's wife. I'm like, I literally like laughed going, okay, that's random because yeah. I've been doing chicks ministry for a lot of years. Okay, 35 years. I've been doing chicks ministry longer than you've been alive. Yeah. And so I'm in there and I thought of all of the messages I've ever given or all of the messages I've ever heard. I've heard every woman, there's about 170 women alluded to in the Bible in some way, shape or yeah. form. The top 20 I think I've probably heard every sermon right. on the you top probably 20 have. chicks. Yep. Yep. Okay, yeah. So, um, and I'm thinking, but I've never heard a lot's wife. And then I'm thinking, it's pretty politically incorrect in 2023. I mean, the chick doesn't even have a name. Like, what's your name? Ch- lots, lots wife. That's wife. not going to fly, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking if you were like Eve, you'd be ticked off because you're like, what do you mean lots wife? I was first. <laughs> I came out of the rear. And I like got blamed for all the problems of humanity for all of history. Like, what about remember me? Or you know, like Sarah is now remember me. I popped out a kid at ninety without an epidural. Like, what is going on? Or you know, like Mary, I am your mother. Seriously, I'm like you know, so I'm like, so this is my brain. Okay, so this is like my brain's going, and I'm like, like how random. That truly, all jokes aside, only one woman mm. that Jesus ever tells us to remember. Wow. And that's not pretty sobering. Like when you go, okay, for someone that does what I do and you're like, wow, mm. all the women I've spoken about, all the women I've heard about, all the women that I admire in Scripture, and we all do, mm-hmm. and I've given my life to elevating the voices of women, including the women in Scripture yeah, and have. women on the earth. So yeah, it's, it's something I'm very committed to. And I'm like, Jesus, in the midst of the context of the world burning down, Jesus goes, remember Lot's wife. Of course, I'm Pentecostal, so there's a little bit that something in me like, okay, the world is like a bit cray-cray. Yeah. Maybe this would be a moment mm. to remember the woman Jesus said. So, of course, you go digging mm. and go, we don't have that much on her, really. Like when you go you go to Genesis 13, you see, you know, Lot and Abram separate. He sets up camp right there on the edge of Sodom. 
And then Ezekiel, I think it's Ezekiel 16, 49, and I really pay a bit of attention to this in the scripture because it's important. Because of course, when we think Sodom's burning down, we're thinking instantly, you know, sexual immorality. And normally the sin we love to highlight is whichever one we're not committing today, you know, so whatever that might be. So we just like, it's, it's, and it's awesome. I get it. But in Ezekiel 16, 49, it also says, this is the sin of Sodom that um, she was arrogant, Mm. had pride and neglected, it had comfortable ease and neglected the needs of the poor of the needy. Wow. And I thought about the church. Mm. Pride, comfortable ease, arrogance, Mm. neglecting the needs Mm. of the poor and the needy. And then it says, and also the immorality, living unrighteously. And I thought, wow, Wow, We've only ever really Chris. focused on sixteen Ezekiel 16, verse 50. Totally. What about the things in that, like pride, arrogance, comfortable ease, neglecting the poor and the needy? It's right there. It says, now this is the sin of Sodom. I'm like, Whoa. why do we only do number four and not one, two, and three that is in the same? And I was like, it, of course, then my heart is quickening. Mm. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm looking at everything burning down as we know it around us, mm-hmm. you know, within the church, outside yes. of the church. Yes. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> and tick every box, all of these things. Um, unrighteousness, as well as neglecting the poor and the needy and the marginalized, as well as comfortable ease and pride and arrogance. Oh, Chris. And I thought, no wonder, no wonder everything's burning. And there's not a stream of the church that isn't impacted, not That's one right. single stream, That's not right. one single mm-hmm. denomination, not one single yep. tradition. Yep. Everybody. Yep. The Lord's like... <laughs> Everybody, mm-hmm. and then the world at large has lost its ever-loving mind, yeah, it and so yeah. you know you've got you've kind of got both things happening simultaneously. Mm. So then, while it's all burning down, of course, the angel of the Lord comes to take Lot, his wife, and um, the two daughters, and you know you see that the angel of the Lord says to Lot's wife right there in Genesis nineteen, it says, um, "The only thing he says is, don't look back." So here is everything burning down as you know it. Mm. God sends an angel of the Lord to take you out. And to take you to the future. Yeah. And um, the only instruction is don't look back, which sounds easier than it is. Sure. I, I, I'm not, sh- no shade on Lot's wife yeah. because yeah. every one of us would do this. Absolutely. And because you've got no idea. Did I mean, her friends are there. Her life is there. Yeah. Everything she's built. She might have just like renovated the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> whatever. Like, you know, so yeah. everything is there. And um mm. Why, of course you would look back, but that, in the original, that, that's the inference is look back with longing mm. to want to go back. Mm. That's the, the whole word is to look back with longing, lingering to want to go back. Mm. And I started to think, mm. I mean, of course, you know, with A21, I travel the world all the time. And so I had just done 12 countries um, and I the phrase I heard, no matter what, whichever country I was in, was... Um, Christine, I just wish things would go back to normal. And if I would ask anything about church, about life, it would be, this would be the caveat, always. People wouldn't start with where we are now. They'd go, well, before the pandemic. Yes. Okay. So it's like life was no longer BC, AD. It was before pandemic, before, well, it's BC, but instead of before Christ, it's before COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and I'm like, uh, and I remember saying to one, this is where this part came out, to a person, I said, Jesus is the only one that split time, mm. not not COVID or not a, a riot or not political instability. Jesus did. Wow. Therefore, mm. if in 1 Corinthians it says all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus, yes and amen, then if Jesus split time, all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus, yes and amen, therefore 
if whatever promise God has for our lives and our churches, they're still in Christ Jesus, amen. yes and amen, because He's the same yesterday, yes. today and forever. Mm. So nothing's actually changed, even though everything's changed. Mm. The only difference is we had hoped things would look different. Now. Absolutely. We had hoped those people would come back. We had hoped we would not have been betrayed. Yes. We had hoped we would not have had so much loss or so much grief mm. or whatever it yeah. may be. Yeah. Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we had hoped. Mm. Well, I think all that has happened over the last few years is what has been revealed is our misplaced hopes. Absolutely. Because Jesus is like, I'm this hope you have as an anchor for your soul, both firm and secure. Since you've lost your mind, <laughs> maybe what's been revealed is that I wasn't your hope. Maybe that's what has been revealed. Hey, Nothing Is Wasted family. Are you currently walking through a specific valley and looking for resources to help you in your pain? I think we can all attest to the fact that there is tremendous comfort in hearing from those who have walked a similar path and have found hope and healing on the other side. That's why we've created collections of resources called Curated Pathways to help you navigate your specific pain points. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place to speak to what you're experiencing right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. I mean, let's admit it. When you're facing a crisis, loss, or trauma, you just don't have the time, energy, or emotional bandwidth to search for or wade through all of the resources that could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways have to offer by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire curated pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted curated pathways, as well as our entire library of masterclasses, bonus episodes, live coaching, live events, replays, and more. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows. Our team has been working very hard on this to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you or to friends and family that you know who are going through a tough time. We know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus, or get a taste of our curated pathways by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. You can find both of those links in the show notes of this episode. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story, and we're committed to giving you resources in an easy way for you to access those so that you can do just that. Thinking about it in light of remembering Lot's wife, you're right. Like You have to have some compassion for her for wanting to look back, but what is the call? And I'm even thinking about the the Israelites grumbling that they wanted to go back to Egypt. Like there's so much of that thematically through scripture and of course now in our own lives as well, that call to like 
don't look back longingly. That's wild, that connection to post-COVID, because I don't know how many conversations I have with people all the time. I wish it was like it was, or before. I want it to go back before. And there's this kind of false nostalgia Mm-hmm. For that time period, but you're right. Like, was what's who's your hope in? Oh, because if that's the mm. case, what's changed? We were born for this. Yeah, we were. And born And what for happened this. to her? She was calcified, and she became a pillar of salt. So such a wh- crazy story, isn't it? Is, she's she's calcified and got stuck in a moment. She was mm. only meant to be passing through. Now, if you and I, obviously, new covenant believers, we're called to be the salt of yes. the world. I think no wonder Jesus said, "Don't look back and remember Lot's wife." Because Hmm. you're not meant to be calcified and stuck in a moment of time or history. You're supposed to be salting the earth in this dark moment of pain, of suffering, of loss. No one's diminishing it. No one's dismissing it. Mm. But we were born to thrive in the midst of it because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And our hope was never theoretically Mm. in all those things. Our hope is in Christ alone, our cornerstone. So So what's changed? The provisions in him? For all right. of us, our lives, our families, our churches, right. the purpose is still in Him, um, the future's in Him, the promise, all the promises. So I, I've said to our staff, I've got 160 staff in 19 offices around the world. I'm like, all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus, yes and amen. So nothing's changed. I yeah. know everything fundamentally has changed economically, politically, yes. socially, morally, right. Right. environment. I know everything's fundamental, but nothing has. Nothing that matters Jesus, has changed. Jesus said he's the same yesterday, mm. today, and forever. Mm. All the promises of God, Paul writes, are in Christ Jesus, yes and amen. I'm like, okay. Okay. We were born for this. Let's keep going then. Let, let's, let's keep don't, going. Let's What's don't change? Let's keep going for it. And so I remember the very first meeting I did with our staff just when it all broke out, COVID and whatever. So I had... You know, we've got 19 officers in 15 countries. So I've got 15 countries, two of which are at war at the moment, on the same Zoom call. So while everyone's losing their minds over the political instability here, I'm going, we've got like wars happening. And I've got people that have to find Christ right in the midst of all of this. So, you know, like here's the real deal. Have some perspective. (laughs) um, But I I, I read to them out of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12, where, you know, the children of Israel had been exiles in Babylon Mm -hmm. and they came back to Jerusalem hoping everything would be the same, but the temple was decimated, the walls were in ruins, they were surrounded by enemies, and the prophet said to them, you know, essentially, you were prisoners Mm -hmm. in Babylon, like literal physical prisoners. Now that you're back in Jerusalem and everything's decimated, you have to become prisoners of hope. He says, Mm. return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. And I said to everyone, here we all are metaphorical prisoners in lockdown in this moment. Um, and to varying degrees, except for Texas and Florida that didn't have a pandemic. <laughs> they didn't have But COVID the rest there. of us, yeah. the rest of the planet <laughs> had a pandemic. Right. Um, so it was like we are metaphorical prisoners here. Yeah. Um, but we're not. But we, we can't get to choose that. Mm-hmm. But we do get to choose the kind of prisoners we're going to be. Mm. And we're not going to be prisoners of despair or fear or mm. doubt or negativity. We are going to be prisoners of hope. Why? Yeah. Not because we're denying the reality of the pain or the suffering in the world, but because Jesus is this hope we have. Yeah as an anchor for our souls. So guess what? Our hope is anchored in Him. Our future is anchored in Him. Our telos is anchored in Him. So here we are. Here we are. Oh, Chris, it's <laughs> such a good word. And I, I, especially for our audience here at Nothing Is Wasted, like these are people walking through pain and tragedy and yeah. heartache. And the question that they're often asking us is, how do I, how do I move forward? I mean, essentially what you're talking about, like how do I, 
how do I know that God has a purpose for me when I feel so lost? And how do I press into that purpose? How do I not look back, especially when back yeah. is so traumatizing or so painful? Um, sure. And so I just think this is such a such a great book for such well, I think a time for as that this. reason, because I mean, you know, my own life has its own levels of trauma, and mm. it's not like once and done. That you know, it yeah. happens ongoing, and. Um, I'm not saying, and and definitely, of course, I've got a chapter on mourning, and yeah, I've learned so much about lamenting from you, and so I've got, you know, there's not there's an acknowledgement, yes. um, there is no denial, and there, uh, about any of that, you can't dismiss no, you and can't. deny the reality, but there's got to be hope within it. Like if yes. Paul can write in the midst of suffering and loss, we do not grieve as those that have no That's hope. Right. Do we believe this stuff or not? That's really what it comes down to, and I think. And I think that's certainly in the last chapter when I'm talking about our telos, it's kind of reminding believers again, there is an ultimate hope we're moving. You you have got to elevate your eyes in this hour above the temporal or you're going to be taken out. Totally. And there has to be the eternal promise that draws us forward. This is what good Christian theology is for because it helps us navigate the temporal state of this world that is is a mess and I don't have good news in that respect. It's not going to get any right, better. Right. We have got to learn how to flourish in the midst of all of this. And Absolutely. this is where I think getting unstuck and remembering Lot's wife, it's like if someone can have a theological framework, it's going, okay, it doesn't mean I'm denying it when we're saying don't look yeah, back. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, the blood of Jesus does not give you amnesia. <laughs> the the pain happened, the betrayal happened, the abuse happened. It's, you know, some people are like, it's under the blood, it's under the blood, it never happened. That's called lying. Right, right. That's Faith like self-deception. Is, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Faith is not calling those things that are as though they are not. Mm. That's called lying, mm. not faith. Faith is calling those things that are not as though they are. Oh, so how I walked by faith and not by sight through my healing process is, was I dealing with things from my past? Absolutely. Mm. But while I was not yet fully healed and running in the fullness of the promise that God had, I was calling forth the promises of God that were not yet manifest in yeah. my life, but they were yeah. in the Word of God. Yeah. Not stuff I made up in my head, right. not, you know, some incantation, right. but the promises that were mine and are every believer's mm-hmm. in the Scripture until they became a reality. So that's faith. I'm calling those things that are not as though they are until mm. they become that way. Yeah. I was never calling those things that are as though they are not. Yeah, that's so, so that's good. Not the deal. And I'm thinking of our listeners who are hearing you say that and they're like, okay, I want I want to begin doing that. How how do like give some people handholds, Chris, like from your yeah. book or from your life, how do I they think- begin to call for things that are? I think it is. Well, number one, you have to know what the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. I'll give you just simple examples because people, some people wonder what she's talking about. So, you know, I I grew up because of the abuse and the marginalization growing up Greek in a a very sort of racist Australia back um, Mm. in the day, you know, the abandonment issues, the all the stuff that comes with my kind of background. Yeah. Um, You know, shame was like my cousin sat on my shoulder. I I cannot recollect a moment in my life where shame or condemnation Mm. or guilt were just so woven into the fabric of who I was. Now, I remember when the first time I heard a message that someone said, you know, I read the scripture, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I can't even, I felt so far from the righteousness of God that there is no, there was no comparison. I'm like, yeah. So if truly in your head you believe 
I'm not worthy, mm. I'm too broken, um, I'm too shame-filled, I've committed too many unforgivable sins. If you, you might not say that out loud and you might have a corner suite and be in right. the C-suite, <laughs> but in your mind, the track that's playing is I'm not worthy, I am broken, there's something wrong with me, God couldn't, there's that thing. Now, if I say to you I said it a thousand times, I'm, I'm probably understating it. I would get it. I would write that scripture on sticker notes. Mm. I'd stick it in my car, on my mirror, and I would say a hundred times a day. Yeah. And I'd look at I never believed it for the first six months. Right. I would look in the mirror and, and I would know and I would get flashbacks. This is where you go back of mm. things that would very naturally prove to you that I was anything but the righteousness of God yeah. in Christ yeah. Jesus. And so, you know, very visual, very and but I would say it and I would look and I would go, okay, because I this to me is the practical thing. And then there would be scriptures like that nonstop. Like what are the promises of God for my life, for my children, for yeah. my marriage, for, and I would write them down. And um, people would say, well, why are you saying it if you don't really believe it? Well, that's the art of faith. I'm yeah. going because actually God's word really is my foundation. And just because I don't feel it doesn't make it not true. Right. Just because I don't believe it doesn't make it not true. Yes. It doesn't make me inauthentic and like you're lying. Right. I'm saying, well, I don't believe it now, but it is true. And I'm going to elevate my experience to the level of the truth of word, the Word of God. I am not going to try to dumb down the Word to how I feel yeah. today yeah. or to okay. deny the Word based on how I feel. So I'm going to give the Word that place in my life, mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep confessing that word um, and doing the work that is necessary for healing in my soul yes. realm and, you know, working with a, a therapist, being in Christian community, being part of church, all of those things, worshipping God. Th- that to me, for me, church was my lifeline. I, I know for some people it hasn't been that, but it has been my lifeline. Yeah. I, I worshipped my way to wholeness. Mm. I heard the word my mm. way to wholeness. Like it was, I was there every moment the doors were open in Australia because it was like God did, was doing something in me. That's why for me, um, you know, to the best of our human, frailed, flawed capacity, a healthy local church yep. can be a place of real healing Absolutely. and real transformation. Absolutely. Um, and it helps you not get stuck right. in many ways because um, left mm-hmm. to my own obsessively ruminating mind, mm-hmm. I wouldn't move forward. Yeah. I would be like everybody else. It's so good to hear that because I do think too sometimes that even, even you know, well-meaning pastors, I don't know how many times I've sat under them and they're reminding you constantly kind of of your sinful brokenness. The image of God in you is so broken and so eroded and so sinful. And I understand what they're trying to do. Like, I think they're trying to point us to what greatest salvation we have in Jesus. But at some point, if you are new in Christ, you have to start walking it. Like, at some point, you have to go, wait, no, no, no. I am becoming who God has already said I am. I'm a new creation. I'm clothed in righteousness. I'm radiant, not shameful. Like I, and I, so I love that that's the example you, you gave us, Chris. Thank you for that. Such a good word. No, I I love that. I think we're all aware of our flawedness. If the only way I can make you, um, if I have to keep reminding you of how bad you fundamentally are, there's something just that essentially wrong with that. Like we, I needed someone to, I wanted to be so righteous. I wanted to live Mm. godly. I wanted to be holy as Christ is holy. Yeah. I didn't know how. Right. I need someone to tell me 
who I was, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that I am seated in heavenly places mm. with Christ Jesus, that I have access to every spiritual place. I didn't know what that meant. Right. Like, what right. does it mean to be seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places? What does it mean yeah. to be a daughter of the King, to have been mm. adopted into the family of God? Mm. I mean, these are beautiful, doctrinally yeah, eloquent phrases. I'm like, so what does that mean? So when you've been abandoned in a hospital and then adopted and then neglected and then not even told you were adopted till you were 33, Mm. Adoption can be extremely triggering if someone's giving me a, a sermon on just wow. I've been adopted into the family of God. So wow. someone better tell me mm. what does that actually mean mm. when I've been grafted in to the family and adopted and the fact that adoption is like not God's second choice. Mm. It's, it's, it's the fact that I wasn't like the leftover, oh, you get this thing. I mean, adoption could be extremely triggering sure. if we don't truly understand what does it mean for all of us to be adopted in, to be grafted in? What access do we have? What is abundant life? Like instead of getting so scared that this might make people go down a prosperity route and this is really, I'm like, listen, everybody's like messed up here. Right, Can someone right. tell me? What is it to be an heir to the promise? Mm. And why do you have a problem with me understanding what it is to have an, to be an heir mm. to the promise? What does it mean to be seated in heavenly yes. places? What does it mean to have every access to every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus? And how does that manifest itself here on earth as it is in heaven so that I can bring life and light and hope to broken people? And we're stuck because we might have doctrinal language, but little understanding oh. of how that's fleshed out in our world. Hi friends, it's Aubrey Sampson here. If you value and cling to the stories of people walking through difficulties and seeing God in the midst of it, I want to share a way that you can be a part of continuing to bring these stories and other resources to those who are navigating trauma, tragedy, or a major life transition. This summer, we are inviting our listeners to partner with Nothing Is Wasted as a ministry and help bring hope to those who are hurting. By donating any tax-deductible amount, you will be a part of not only sharing more stories like the ones you've heard so far on the podcast, but you'll also get the opportunity to get resources like our Pain to Purpose curriculum, master classes, mini courses, and so much more into the hands of people who are in deep pain. In the next month, we are seeking 200 people who have been impacted by Nothing Is Wasted Ministries to commit to giving $20 per month as a tax-deductible donation. You can donate to our Give Hope campaign and know that your donation will be a part of giving hope to the many and healing to the one by creating purposeful resources that can help others heal. Donate now at nothingiswasted.com slash give hope and be a part of the incredible work here at Nothing Is Wasted in helping people find hope and healing from their pain. Okay, I want to jump back to your book. I'm, I, we'll, we'll obviously share all of this in our show notes, yeah. but don't look back, getting unstuck and moving forward with passion and purpose. I was reading where you write about Elijah and I'm going to read it to you if you don't mind. We're going to have a little book time. I, I want to hear you read uh, it to me. <laughs> um, so you're talking about Elijah, but you say, what I want to focus on is what happened between the time Elijah first prayed and the time the rain started to come down. And then you quote scripture there. But then this is what I love you say. Did you catch that? Elijah didn't just send his servant one time 
to look and see if there was a rain cloud in the sky. Every time the servant reported in and said there was nothing, Elijah told him to go again. And I have never noticed this. Seven times, Elijah says, go again, go again, go again. Elijah told the servant to go seven times, you say. When we go again, there is risk. But when we go again, there is also reward. And then um, you're asking people, what's stopping you from living that life of faith? Go, praying again, loving again, hoping again, laughing again, some of the things that we're talking about here. Tell me why you, um, like unpack the Elijah doing that. Why does that matter that seven times? Well, I think it's because most of us um, give up after the first time. Yes. And to a degree, it's because it comes, I think, down to a theological thing that we don't trust the character and the nature of God, mm. that He is good and He does good. I think you're right. And we're like, we, we hold Him to our leash. If you don't do it this first time, it's because either I'm not meant to have it or either you're not going to do it or you're not really a good God that's going to come through for me. Totally. And it's it's actually got more to do with us than it has God mm. because the fact is that He said, um, you know, you, you go again with expectancy. So, so yes, I'm not talking about going again. Let me clarify because nowadays you really have to. I'm not going again into an abusive environment no. or yes. a toxic environment yes. or a dangerous environment. I'm not at all talking about that. But I am saying when it comes to our hopes, our dreams, a, a, a seed that we believe God's put in our heart, this is what it comes. I'm not talking about some sort of blab it and grab it, make something yes. up. But I'm talking about a God dream that he's deposited in your mm. heart um, or a promise that he has in his word, mm. then you, on based on the authority of his word, can go again mm. and go again mm. and go again. And I think what's happened is, especially the last three years, there's been so much disappointment, so yeah. much discouragement, so dis- we, we don't want to go again. Yeah, We're not even that concern that God's going to let us down, we just don't want to be hurt again. I we don't want to be betrayed it. again. Yep. We don't want to be um, to lose again or yeah. to grieve again. And I think what we have to do is elevate the fact that we know that God's going to be there for us mm. again, no matter what happens. Mm. Um, and if I want to step in and have that faith, because I'm looking for that 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 sign that is as small as a person's fist and go, the rain's coming. And, you know, people I know, they laugh at me because I'm always, even in the middle of the pandemic, I'm like, oh, no, the cloud's coming, the cloud's coming because <laughs> yep, you're yep. always going to hear me be that person yeah. because I want to see that. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking. If God said it, even now on this earth with just so much pain and mm. suffering and all the things, you know, you're going to have two types of people, the people that are going to look at Asprey and go, there's a cloud. Right. And the others that are going to give you 500 reasons, why not? Ugh. Well, I'm going to be the cloud person. That's I'm me. Be the and cloud I'm, like, person I'm going to get everywhere, every country yes. I go to, I'm like, where's the cloud? Where's the cloud? Yeah. God is doing something in this nation. Yes. God's doing something in this place. Hmm. I'm looking for it. And, you know, you can choose which one you want to be. I'm going to be that person. Yeah, I, I love it. I love that you brought that up with Asbury specifically because I don't know how many people, are, oh, that's not a real revival. Well, that's not I'm like choose to believe it's a real revival. Choose to believe God is doing something. I, yeah, this is it's a Can you wild. Imagine standing before the judgment throne of God, going, "Well, I, I in my analysis, this is what I, I thought. No, we need like a bit of the fear of the Lord, yes. back, which is the beginning of all wisdom. Um, no, and wisdom would be just how about we have no opinion, yeah. about things we know nothing about, right? And just go. <laughs> I hope it is the I Lord, and real. let's go. I yes. hope it's real. Be the kind of person yeah. who hopes it's real. 
That's the point. Um, Chris, something you just talked about going, you go to these places and you're like, Lord, where's the cloud? Where are you at work? You're, you have alluded to, I mean, through a 21, through your other work, you are all over the globe, literally seeing evil, fighting for justice, doing God's kingdom work. And you're like, I'm, I'm going to find that cloud. Where's God at work? Some of that is you have to take the risk or the step of faith first in order to see that cloud, right? Oh, definitely. Well, it's always faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So Mm. most of us say, I want to please God. I want to please God. And we actually use that as an excuse for inactivity. We're calcified. We're like Lot's wife. We're Mm. stuck. We don't take that risk and we go, I don't want to displease the Lord. I'm going, well, honey, faith is what pleases the Lord. So Mm. you're going, there's no way around this. You're going to have to take a step. I'm just not that... You know, I just think it's harder to get out of the will of God than you think. And I think you just have to step out to find out. And that you you go and it's, look, so you take two steps and go, oops, it's not God. It's okay. Course correction. The GPS is going to yes. reroute. God is not, I don't know what we're so scared about. This is God of the universe. Yeah. You are not going to, it's really hard to miss it. It's just like start moving. He can reroute you. Yes. It's going to be okay. Yeah, just take the just take the first step. Just yeah, that's uh, I, I yes. uh, just love I love talking to you, Chris. <laughs> um, okay, so something I, I want to go back to your story, especially related to eight twenty one, because I do think this is kind of the heart of nothing is wasted. Your own story, a story of abuse. Your own story, a story yeah. of trauma, and yet God you know, out of that now has birthed this incredible ministry where you are on the ground around the world with your incredible team of people rescuing women and girls from situations of horrific trafficking. That to me is nothing is wasted, right? Like God took this horrible pain point and look at what God has done and can do. For our listeners, um, you know, it may not be the A21 for them, but there's something God is calling them to out of their own pain. Um, sure. Just encourage them, if you don't mind. Yeah, I do. I want I want you to know that the, the two things, really, that number one, your history and doesn't have to define your destiny, so mm. it doesn't have to limit you. Um, and, okay. you know, it may not be in my way, in my life, of course, you could see the things woven together. It's very visible. You go, wow, here's a kid that was left in a hospital, unnamed and unwanted. She was adopted out. She was abused. She was an immigrant. And wow, God's taken every bit of that, woven it together. It's now Global Anti-Trafficking Organization, 19 (laughs) um, offices in 16 countries. You start looking at all of this and go, and, you know, you're rescuing the um, those people that are in slavery and, you know, you're rescuing victims and you're restoring survivors and Mm -hmm. reaching vulnerable people. Now, God has in my life, yes, a lot of that you go, okay, it's woven it. Now, does any of that make the abuse that I experienced... Mm. um, do I wish it happened? No. Absolutely no. No. I can't even fathom that where people are like, well, I'm glad that happened because this. I'm like, uh, no. Mm. Has God redeemed what happened? Mm. And what happened, was that wrong? Yes. Mm. But has God redeemed it? Absolutely. Mm. And um, I, I do feel like Joseph now in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, that said to his brothers, you meant this for evil mm. against. I've got to tell you, every time we put a trafficker in jail or someone is rescued, I go, devil, you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. I bet you wish you left me alone. Um, Because, you know, what the enemy meant for evil, God has worked together um, for my good, for his glory. Mm. And would I ever want it all to happen again, even with this 
outcome. No, yeah. no. And like I, for my own life, like, you know, so, so number one, you don't ever have to think I have to get to a point where I'm really glad that that happened oh, to so me. Good, so, yeah. so we could just kill that, that, yeah. that immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, but there is a real enemy and he wants to still kill and destroy everyone's life. Mm. For some of us, it's in dramatic ways like that. But whether it's like that or in some other way, there is an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy everybody's purpose. Mm. Because I think according to Ephesians 2.10, I do believe everyone has a purpose that we are God's workmanship yeah. created for. Here it is, created for. Four good works. Sometimes I think we we stop at Ephesians two eight. You know, we're saved by grace through faith. You know, and um, not fair. works, lest any man should boast. And we stop. I'm, Christine, I'm saved by grace, not works, lest any man should boast. I'm going yes, but we're saved by grace for yeah. good works yeah. that God prepared beforehand yeah. Yeah. that we should walk in them. So I truly do believe mm. that we're here on planet Earth. And God, we are God's workmanship and we've been prepared for good works. Mm. That's got nothing to do with our salvation, but it has got to do with our purpose here on earth. And so for good works, and God prepared those in all of eternity. And I do believe that there's an enemy that yes. tries to still kill and destroy that purpose. He did that in my life from mm. when I was in my mother's womb to when I was abused to when I was abandoned in a hospital. So he, God had an eternal purpose like he has for everybody, not just Chris Kane, everybody. Yep. And normally the place that you know that God is going to have a special anointing and help to give other people a, a sense of a future or healing or breakthrough or freedom or deliverance. Normally where the enemies come at you the worst is where God may end up using that as a place of grace and anointing Ooh, to set people wow. free, which is what's happened in my life. The yeah. places where I was targeted the most mm. is what God uses mm. because I think that with that crushing comes an oil yes. that you can't get from a textbook yeah. in a university. Yeah. It's an oil, it's a Gethsemane crushing that yeah. happens in that place. And so that oil, and Isaiah says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and chain. Mm. So sometimes people go, when Chris does a message on, you know, either shame or abuse, or why does it seem mm. that so many people in a room, are, you know, either something happens, they yeah. get set free or they want to yes. walk towards healing, whatever that might be. Yes. That comes, it's it's an intangible, it's a spiritual thing, yeah. but it's an anointing yeah. because of the crushing that I've experienced in that area. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so, I, so God, by bringing healing into my life, allows healing to come into other people's lives. Mm. So, you know, the difference is though, sometimes when you, in sort of in our day age of like a story, a story, the Bible says in Revelation that people are saved by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, mm -hmm. and that we love not our lives unto death. Now, a story and a testimony are two different things. A, a testimony only becomes a testimony over a period of time mm. when it's been tested. Mm. And I think sometimes when we're so eager, I just want to share my story, yes. when we're not yet healed, um, we still have gaping wounds. They're not scars yet. They're still wounds. And so the toxicity still leaks out. Wow. So if we're still full of unforgiveness or we're wow. still full of bitterness, wow. we're not bringing healing or freedom to anyone. We're sort of venting and venting is very different to ministering. And so <laughs> you, you can't minister until that is healed. And then you'll still have a scar. I will forever mm. have scars. It's not like I'm high. I yes. forever have them. Yes. But now you can tap them. And there's no toxicity that's going to come out. So I can then minister out of that and bring glory to God, I pray, by His grace. Um, but I think sometimes we've confused, especially in today's day, uh -huh. venting with ministering. Yes. And that doesn't bring healing to anyone. That means that if anyone else has got a, mm. a wound, 
we are just taking the scab off that wound, mm. wound and it's causing more infection and more toxicity. And I think we're mm. in the midst of that in our culture. We are right absolutely now. in the midst of yeah. that. And I, I, I just, I love your reflection on anointing because I don't know how many times you, you hear, oh, they're so anointed, they're so anointed. They're so, I want that anointing, I want that anointing. And I think sometimes they, they mean talent, not necessarily anointing. Yeah, what you're talking totally. about is the anointing does come from the pain. like, yeah. And so true anointing Always. is born out of that crushing, crushing place. But look at what, Look at what God did. And like you said, it doesn't mean you're like, oh, good. I'm so glad I went through. But look at what only God can do. Only God can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if it wasn't going to be that, it was. if there is a real devil, we really believe this, Uh and he really has an assignment against our lives, it was going to be something else. Yeah. So to me, rather than just stopping at blaming the Mm -hmm. people that hurt me or the perpetrators, none of that's right. I mean, I put traffickers in jail for a living. So that's like, it's like I'm I'm into justice. (laughs) But if I just try to leave it to just that level, I will never break free and Mm -hmm. I will be in, um, I'll be stuck forever. So I've got to elevate it to going, okay, ultimately vengeance is God's. Ultimately Mm -hmm. God is my vindicator. Ultimately God can move me past my past and God can heal me from my past. And my identity is who I am in Christ, not in my victimhood. And I had to come to a place, Aubrey, where I had to make what Jesus did for me bigger than what they did to me. Mm. That was the place of getting unstuck. Mm. And can I can I ask you about that? So I, you know, I'm thinking again of our our listeners, our viewers who are at that place. Maybe they're like they're walking on the road. They're like Lot's wife, and they're like, I want to look back. 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 And they're very tempted to be stuck for real reasons, like you've mentioned, like totally. uh, you know, pain, trauma. They've lost children. Yeah. They've lost their spouse. <sighs> they're you know, I mean, totally. devastating, devastating uh, things. We know nothing is wasted. Listeners, you're walking through. And you feel tempted. I want to look back. I want to look back. I want to look back. Chris, how did you? I mean, you just said you had to make that choice almost. Like what Jesus has done is going to be bigger. How did you do? How did you decide? I'm not looking back. I'm fixing my gaze on Jesus. It's it's right up there with all the stick it notes with the righteousness of God. It's 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 still and it's still a daily decision. At sometimes, if I feel really assaulted in my mind. Mm. You know, our thoughts are like a train. They take us somewhere. So I have to make a decision when that train of thought comes into the platform of my mind, I'm not getting on. Mm. I have to look at the destination before I jump on the train. And I think too often we jump on a train of thought without without any thought, where is this going to take me? I totally and do so that, yeah. I have to go, it's like, you know, if you get on a train, you're looking at the destination. Do I want to go to that destination? No, I'm not going to get on that train. Just because it's in the platform of my mind doesn't mean I have to jump on that train of thought. Now, it is you have to be ruthless. You, it, uh, There's no easy way. I mean, we do not war against flesh and blood. When You yeah. know, we've got a, a lot of people out there having a lot of fights on social media. I'm like, you're fighting the wrong fight. Seriously. I'm fighting the good fight of faith, which is my mind. Uh, you know, like there is a real enemy. I'm trying to bring yes. every thought captive to the knowledge of God. There, I'm, I've got enough fights to fight every day to keep myself on track with, you know, on the right track. I don't need thoughts. these so, other fights that are happening oh, no, no, on social media. I've right. got enough. So mute has become my best friend. That way I don't have to offend anyone um, because I just don't need things. Ignorance is bliss. If I need to know something, I've got enough people in my life. They'll let you know. Enough checks and balances. They will let me know. Other than that, I because I I just – I don't want to even pretend that I'm strong enough. I am only Mm. ever one thought away from spiraling out of control. It is my Achilles heel, always Mm. has been. Mm. So I have to be – 
ruthless. And the scripture, wow, when it tells us to guard, that word is not, it's a very violent word. It's like guard, set up a fortress around your mind. Mm. Like, and then, and so I have mm. to, because the the battle is always for our mind. That is always where it happens in, in our faith. Mm. Um, and as a man thinks, so is he. That's what we yeah. become. We become yeah. what we think about. You become what you behold. And where you mm. look, you will go. Mm. And so if you keep looking back, mm. you'll go back. If you keep looking yeah. forward wow. to the tell us, wow. Jesus is calling us on from, Scripture says, from faith to faith, from mm. grace to grace, from glory to glory. Mm. So it is, and let me just tell you, at your most tired, your weakest, your most vulnerable moments, the enemy will make sure. That's when something pops up on your phone. You're going to get the phone call. Mm -hmm. You're going to see something on your computer. Somebody's going to say something about you. Mm -hmm. For me, I always know because suddenly four or five friends are like, oh, I'm praying for you. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what's happening? Oh, no. I always But but I've learned to even arrest it that I don't even contact them first. I've got my husband, I've got two or three people, and I'm like, do I need to be concerned about anything? And so if they say no, Mm -hmm. I trust trust them and I don't even respond to the people. I'm just like, thanks so much, keep praying, love you, and just don't even, I don't engage in the conversation. I don't even go there. I'm not because, um, you know, I I have got to guard my mind. I've got to guard my heart. That word garrison, build a fortress, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow all of the issues of life. Mm. Every issue Mm. stems out of there. So I've got to guard it. Mm. Garrison, build a fort around it. I'm not talking about a fortress to keep yes. people out. No, 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 no. I'm no. talking about the enemy's yes. darts. The, there is the darts of the enemy. And if I am not careful, and let me just say, you know, the more willing you are to take a risk for God, the more exposed you become, oh. the more vulnerable you become, the harder the arrows hit you because you're at the front line yeah. taking them. Yeah. So you've got to do... Uh, you've got to do what the scripture says in that way. You never graduate from this stuff. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. This is why I I always, I remember to pray for you. I remember to pray for some of the other people we've had on Nothing Is Wasted, other friends that are kind of at the forefront of some of this stuff. Because I, I do think, People don't realize the way that the enemy, I mean, the enemy's after all of us, but the way that the enemy's yeah, after definitely. those of you who are at the front lines. Chris, I so appreciate your time. I'm even just sitting here thinking about how many times I get on that like thought train without even giving it a second thought. So that was a really good word for me today. So thank you. I needed to hear that. I appreciate that. Um, we'll tell everybody, of course, where to buy the book. Don't look back, getting unstuck and moving forward with passion and purpose. Chris Kane, I just love you. I love you. So <laughs> this much. was awesome. This was yeah. like not work. This is like a delight. So fun. so fun. Well, thanks for being here with us today. Are my friend. telling you she is a powerhouse <laughs> fire hydrant earlier and there you go man you gotta go back and listen to that conversation maybe four or five times just to be able to pick up all of the nuggets yeah. you know what's like to me and when i think about her of course i know her only from a distance you know but uh, two things one of my life verses is psalms 90 verse 12 where it says uh teach me to number my days are right so may present your heart of wisdom mm. And the message translation translates that, uh, help me to live my life wisely and well. Mm. Help me to live my life wisely and well. And when I think about think of her, you know, and what she has done and what she is doing 
individually, that's that's what came to me, the right. whole idea. But the second thing, you know, with, with her is it's not only, you know, a personalized story, which God, again, he came to redeem us individually so I can have a relationship with God. We, we know that. But he also came, you know, to, uh, you know, to take back his creation. <laughs> right. And so much of what she is doing right. in the ministries is really calling people into that God's God's redemptive story mm. that we're now able to take part in because of his redemptive story in our life. So we don't want to keep it just singular, me and Jesus. You know, it does start there and that's central, right. but it's me and Jesus for the redemption of the world. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's big. It's so it's huge. Well, you know, Jesus didn't just save us from something. He saved us for something. Absolutely. And so we don't just kick back once we've come into relationship with Jesus and said, okay, good. I've got kind of my get out of hell free card or my fire insurance, so to speak. Yeah. But we're, we're called to live an abundant life here on earth and a life that is partnering with him in the reconciliation of all things is what scripture mm -hmm. tells us. He's given yeah. us the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. I mean, before the fall, he gave Adam the cultural mandate. Yeah. That said, okay, I want you to multiply and subdue the earth, right? I want you to, and what he was telling him is like, I want you to co-create with me. Yeah. Like, let's do this thing together. Let's, let's make known the name of God, right? Throughout the world. Well, then the fall happens. And yeah. so God's like, well, you know, okay, I have a plan to redeem and restore this. And after the death and resurrection of Jesus, he instituted the church. And then he gave the church again, handed them the keys yeah. and said, okay, here's what I'm asking you to do. I asked Adam to co-create with me. Everything went awry with the fall, it fractured everything. Now I'm asking you to co-redeem with me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm asking you to recreate with me. Yeah. And that's our responsibility. And so that's why the enemy wants to paralyze us so much. And he obviously does that by what, you know, we, we're all familiar with, you know, but pain in our own life. That's right. You know, loss in our own life because we're not in the redeemed totally recreated, you know, place yet. And so it can really sideline us and paralyze us individually. And also that contribution that we can make, you know, to the world. That's right. And uh, in commissioning, being commissioned with God, working in partnership with him. That's right. And, you know, that's leads us to, to this whole idea of what we have been doing as a ministry for the past several years. We've been, yep. our, our statement, right? What we want you to know is that we want to help you partner with God to take back your story, no matter what you've gone through. Yeah. And we've been doing that for so long. We talked a little bit about this last week for individuals. And now we're seeing churches and pastors and church leaders saying, hey, can we utilize the tools that you have? And what it's really, you know, it's interesting what it's done um, is it's kind of like taken this, what I would have considered. I mean, a lot of people, uh, maybe you didn't have this perspective on it, but a few years ago, I would have said that we were kind of in beta version of like, like, we're just trying to see, does this even work? I know it worked for me in my healing journey. Oh, and it worked for the people we were kind of coaching individually and like this whole pain to purpose thing. And so for a few years, as we were just piloting this in churches, we were just kind of like sitting there on bated breath going, is this working? Is this something that is helpful for churches? And then recently we started receiving all of these testimonies. All of these people were saying, oh my goodness. I mean, I just went to a church last week. Can I talk to you guys about this? Yeah. Church has been running our course for several semesters now. Yeah. I had never been to this church. I wasn't going to speak. I literally was just slipping in to go and attend. And I had several people come up and go, I've been so impacted by pain to purpose. 
and our church. I, we can't wait to launch this thing church-wide. We've been running leaders through this. And it was so me- meaningful just to, to go, man, God, like I can't believe what you're allowing us to be a part of in the co-redemptive work that you're doing in this world. And that's why we feel like we're at a critical place right now in our ministry. Yeah, it feels like a little bit of the leaven principle, you know, the kingdom that's it's there and and having uh, influence, you know, and and growing. Sometimes you're not we're not aware of it, even some then sometimes the testimonies come to us, the stories come to us. But we feel like we're a part of something that's very significant. That's right. In this season, you know, really in the life of the church. You know, part of our pivot, uh, and you know, with the campaign we're doing and kind of where we're at and where we're hoping to go, you know, part of the pivot started last year with conversations you and I and the team started having. That we 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 felt that I would say in two different ways. Here's how I say it: is that one we felt you know there was a spiritual direction. Mm. The Lord was showing us that the the church is in an important juncture in our journey here, mainly in the West, as you know, primarily mm. is my context, you know, but it's in a very important uh, juncture. And so we really felt like that uh, God was showing us not only to work with church bodies from like, you know, the, the course, pain of purpose course and the individuals, but also, you know, we believe that healthy and healing leaders build healthy and healing communities. Right. And so more and more, we said, we want to, we want to somehow approach this in a holistic way. Yeah. How can we help ministries and local churches and spiritual communities, you know, from the leaders to their leadership communities, to their leadership team, to their staff, to all those they serve, in a way to help them really think about health and healing in the spiritual community. So that's kind of a pivot we made, started talking about last year. Yeah. And then this year, 2023, we've really put some strategy, some stewardship to it and been very intentional in moving in that direction. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. You know, we sit right now as we're recording this, we sit on the precipice of a few things. You know, we've just started having some conversations about and we are and we have made plans and put things concretely to do these, what we're calling um, roundtables, healing leader roundtables is what they're being called throughout the fall and then going into 2024. And what this is, is a place where we can create and foster a conversation at a site, at a local church where they've already been running pain to purpose. And they're like, hey, we want to invite others in our region, in our area, pastors, church leaders, to come and have a conversation about this, a one-day conversation where we go, hey, one, like what you said, the church is at a critical place in its history. Uh, I think that COVID revealed a lot of this to us. Yeah, There was so much unhealth, so much buried and suppressed trauma with congregants and with pastors and church leaders alike, where pastors began coming to us and going, I don't know how to help our congregants, like how do we put systems in place to really care for the trauma that is going on? Not just so we can sit on our mat, right? And just pontificate and, you know, and just um, de- just deliberate with each other and kind of have a victim mentality, but just, but so that we can move forward on mission. How do we get healed, get up off of our mat and walk and even run in the direction that God has called us to run. Well, every pastor wants their congregants to experience that. Yeah. But what they're realizing too, is that COVID and some of the aftermath of that also exposed a whole lot of unhealth within the leader's life and the staff. And their life. I mean, I tell you, I have so many conversations with pastors and church leaders that this has been true. And now I've started to say, they start to share this thing with me. Like, as if nobody, as they're like, you know, I've got this, I'm dealing with this and this staff turnover and this thing. And 
And I'm going, man, this doesn't surprise me because this is literally everyone's story post COVID. Yeah. And so it's showing us something that's a little bit more systemic. Yeah. And that I believe, and you and I believe that that God is kind of revealing something to the church to say, hey, we need to focus more on healing, on becoming whole, on being healing leaders, right? Even though you and I have walked through something difficult, as we heal, we can help others heal. And then what that's going to do is that's going to bring a, 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 like a new credibility to the church. Yes. In a very critical time in history. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that those within the church, I believe they're looking for a place, you know, within their spiritual community that's safe, secure. People know what they're doing, but can also help them as they go through, you know, crisis and et cetera. Right. It will be a safe place. And many people, for whatever reason, you know, oftentimes do not feel that. They can't find that. And so we we do believe, you know, again, a lot of pastors feel, a lot of church leaders feel, they feel overwhelmed with the amount of things that people go through. Not only in their own life, but those they're, they're serving, as well as oftentimes they really feel ill-equipped because generally they're not, we haven't been trained for that. You know, even if we were trained for that, we can't do the volume that's, you know, that's there. Right. So we find that, you know, a, a, a safe place, a healing place, a a bonding place, you know, within the spiritual community, people can really go through this material together and 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 have that journey together will only strengthen them in their spiritual community. Right, and then two, we think it's going to bring credibility back to the church in their community. Yeah, because everyone is looking for hope. Right, right. Many people are looking for healing, and they're just looking at it for different places. But it's we we believe and we hope and we you know we we see it in part, but we would like to see it more that people in the community would believe that that can happen in the context of a spiritual community that's down the road from them, or that they've heard about. Yep. And so that's where we've made and we're putting a lot of our efforts and energy in this area as we've moved into 2023 and, and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. We had a we have a coach that's part of our ministry, one of our certified coaches. And she told me at one point in reference to her own story, she said, Davey, we had to go outside of the church to find our healing. Yeah. And, and you're not talking about somebody who is just a nominal attendee of a church. You're talking about someone who was on staff at a church, yeah. high-level leader. And very integrated in the community, serving, giving, I mean, pouring themselves out for this church. And her remarks about healing from trauma was, we had to go outside of the church. Yeah. And that put such a holy discontent inside of me when I heard that. I was like, no, we need to bring these conversations back into the church because this is what the church is built for. This is what we were commissioned to do. Yeah, we were commissioned to go and make disciples, but how do we make disciples? Yeah, we do exactly what Jesus did. Jesus's ministry was a healing ministry, yeah. right? And as we go about, we help people understand how to be rescued from the strongholds that have taken place in their life, how to get up from their mat and walk, how to have open eyes when they've been blind for so long. Trauma and tragedy seems to put that kind of a blight on our stories and it paralyzes us. And Jesus's work was like, I'm bringing the kingdom and what the kingdom means is you are unhindered, unfettered. You are running on mission in partnership with redeeming this well, world. Well, that's why we feel like it's such a spiritual season for this. And also, it's, you know, it's a very strategic stewardship for us to move in that area. Some of the other things that we're talking about doing, you've already talked about one, you know, it's the church leaders, regional roundtables. We've already got some of those that are planned around the country, you know, to be able to have this conversation with other, other church leaders 
uh, you know, we're we're talking about, you know, moving, we're having uh, church uh, leaders with healthy, for healthy and healing coaching, you mm-hmm. know, that maybe who, who are in the caution zone or the crisis zone. Right. And they need somebody to specifically work with them and walk them with, with as they're that season, as well as what I talked about last time, convergence. They don't, they know there's something next. I don't want to get stuck. How do I get there? How do I steward, you know, God's call in my life. So we're really talking about that as well. Yeah. All these are you know, ongoing conversations. And you and I feel like, you know, and again, it's, it's, it's only on the table right now. So we're, we are dreaming, but even having a whole church leaders, extension of what we've been doing because that's how committed we feel to this right is we don't want to only have you know our content our community and our coaching with coaching people but really helping church leaders in many different ways yeah and so uh this is where we're at and where we're trying to go we talked last week about stewardship you know this became a stewardship conversation and we um we weren't really sure. We stepped into a partnership with ARC Association for Related Churches. This past April we went to ARC conference. I've shared a little bit about that. At ART conference, we took a, a larger team than what we probably, I mean, strategically should have taken. Like we just were in faith going, hey, we're going to take seven people down, which typically you do not see seven people at a booth at a conference, right? <laughs> right. But we we felt like we did. And we were inundated with conversations. And they were not just like transactional conversations at all. They were ministry conversations. I mean, praying and weeping people, pastors and church leaders coming to us and opening up their lives, opening up their pain, talking about their own trauma, and then going, we we need to help people in our church with this as well. And we walked away from there with 145 contacts that said, we are interested in finding out more about what it what it is that your ministry does and how we can launch pain to purpose in our church. And we now have, I think we, you know, you told me the last, uh, the last number that we had, we had currently 35 churches in our pipeline to try to launch this fall or into next spring. Yeah. And what we're seeing, I bring this all back to the stewardship thing. What we're seeing is our team is so overloaded with trying to serve not only the, in terms of like the content community and coaching that we're doing currently, but also these churches. Yeah. And so part of this big strategic give hope campaign for us is to ask you to partner with us as we're trying to beef up our staffing infrastructure so that we can respond to these needs really well. And to beef up our technology infrastructure. You know, if you've gone through our entire process where you've gone through pain to purpose, you've hired a certified coach, you've, you know, really engaged with us on this level, you have seen probably a clunkiness within our technology. We've done everything that we possibly can to stitch together all of the different mm-hmm. software services, programs that you can to make this happen. And so we finally get to, came to a point where we said, we need to develop a custom app so that this experience for someone who is in pain and in quote unquote critical condition when it comes to their spiritual walk, they can walk through this seamlessly. And so we've been in conversations about that. So there's so many different initiatives that are coming down the pike and that will, first of all, I believe if you're listening to this and you're currently in crisis, are gonna, it's going to benefit you. Yes. We're going to be able to serve you better. Yeah. Um, but also if, if you're someone who's like, man, I've got friends and family. I've been impacted by this ministry. I've got friends and family who... I want to see them impacted in the same way that I have. Um, we would love for you to partner with us. You know, $20 a month, $200 a year, uh, in, whatever you can do. We, we're looking for at least 200 people who would step up and say, hey, I'll partner at that level. And I want to see hope for many people. I mean, that's what Nothing Is Wasted has done over the past few years is we brought hope for so many people. 
but also healing for the one. This is not just about like some kind of inspirational, yeah. you know, message that and it just stops there. This there is a transformational journey Absolutely. that we are committed to taking people on. And we want you to be a part of that. And one of the best ways you can be a part of that is by partnering with us financially at the Give Hope campaign. So if you are looking to partner with us, go to nothingiswasted.com slash give hope. Nothingiswasted.com slash give hope. Right there on that page, you're going to see stories of other people who have been impacted by this ministry. Submit your story. We'd love to hear your story. You're going to see a video from me sharing a little bit about what this campaign is. You're going to have an opportunity right there to give. You're also going to see if you want to really do a deep dive into some of the initiatives that we're talking about right here, there is a PDF right there where you can download and you can read through. Here is the strategic plan for Nothing is Wasted Ministries over the next five years. This is what we're trying to accomplish. This is why we are looking for financial support from folks um, just like you to be able to help us and partner with us as we're moving in this direction. And um, so go to nothingiswasted.com slash give hope. Uh, if there's anything else that we can do, we want to help you as you're working on your uh, journey, as you're moving through this, you're partnering with God to take back your story. You can go to nothingiswasted.com. There's a lot of other resources right there. Ken, this has been awesome having you joining me. It's exciting times with where the ministry's at. I've loved it. And I would encourage people really, this would be a great investment. It's good soil. It's good stewardship. And uh, let's uh, let's see many, many more people be healed. Absolutely. Next week, we have a conversation with Jesse and Ryan Wilden. They have, an, they have an incredible story. I mean, the stuff that they've walked through, the responsibility that they've undertaken um, on behalf of some, some family that has gone through crisis. And uh, it is, it's just incredible. I was actually, I had the opportunity to be on their podcast called The Molden Cast. And, um, and, and then we asked them to come on ours because I heard her story. She was sharing a little bit of her story with me. I'm like, oh my goodness, our community needs to hear this story. So why don't you guys um, take a listen to this little clip from my conversation with Jesse and Ryan Wilden. And one of the things that they said, and like what what helped you in grief, you know, what what was it like? It was exactly what you're saying, Davey. It was that peop the people who sat with me, who were just still, that that just were with mm. me. And I thought, so even with a child, right, a 10-year-old, um, which takes even almost more discomfort to just sit and to be still, and to be available. Mm -hmm. um, I thought all we can do is right. be available as an invitation to be like, whatever you need, if you want to talk, if you want to cry, if you want to scream, if you want to laugh. And um, I noticed in our home that I learned so much from grief from all of our children because they have a very different rhythm of grief than adults do. Um, it's kind of like if in the morning— they're crying, they're on their face, I'm stroking their hair. I'm like, in my mind, I think the day's gone. We need to cancel everything. Um, but I noticed that 20 minutes later, it would turn into a pillow fight and they'd be chasing each other around laughing and then yeah. they'd tell a story and yeah. we'd eat breakfast and we'd go on our day. And it was such a strange thing because I thought, I think yeah. as adults, we feel that would be disingenuous. Like, um, yeah. like if... If I were to cry my heart out in front of you and then suddenly be like, you know, towel snap you, you'd be like, um, <laughs> you know, what, what the heck? <laughs> um, you know, and, and, but what I noticed is that, uh, you know, life is really made up of those, those moments 
And and a lot of times, my daughter, my oldest yeah. daughter Katrina, believes that we can't actually have a completely hundred percent bad day. That there's always going to be something. There's going to be something good, even if it's really small. Wow. And so, so it's actually really that. funny because mm. we have. Um, we're almost like sometimes rooting that'll be a bad day so we could just really relish in it. You know, we're like, oh, it's we're almost there. It's like, I'm going to bed at 9 p.m. and we're at 7.30 and it's been a rotten, horrible day. And then that one friend will call and you're like, <laughs> damn it. You just, you know, like, but it is like wow. this idea that, that <laughs> you ruined, ruined my no bad stink. day. But it is this idea that um, the rhythm of grief, I think, is actually much more fluid then we, but because we don't, you know, because we know yeah. people are watching us and stuff, we we almost don't allow ourselves that. So in our house, because of what they taught us, it was like mm. everybody kind of knew, like if you if you're crying right now, we'll be with you. But then if you're done, we're done. Like we move on, mm. or if we're laughing and singing, like that was as welcome wow. as the hard stuff. Yeah.